Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. I'm in John chapter 4, and I'm going to begin reading verse 31 in a moment. But we saw in uh, the prior verses uh, that uh, this Samaritan woman had had an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. I personally believe she uh, received him as her Savior. I expect to see her in heaven. Uh, And the first thing she did after she had believed on the Lord Jesus Christ is she went and told other people. Uh, Let me ask you a question. Have you told anybody lately? I know we can all get so busy that we don't take time to give someone a gospel track or, or something, and I don't think we ought to do that. I think we need to share the good news. Matter of fact, uh, there's five times in the Bible when it says to go into all the world and preach the gospel. And so we should be busy about our father's business. And like this woman, uh, we ought to have some excitement about the fact that um, we're going to live forever uh, in a place called heaven. That ought, that ought to excite us. Uh, and so she goes and, uh, and tells the men, and uh, let's notice what, what happens here in verse 31. In the meanwhile, his disciples prayed him, or begged him, saying, Master, eat. But he said unto them, I have meat to eat that ye know not of. Therefore said the disciples one to another, Hath any man brought him aught to eat? Did did you bring him some to eat? Jesus saith unto them, My meat uh, is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. Now, when he says here, uh, you know, when they ask him, Have you eat anything? And then he says, I have meat to eat you know not of. He's talking about food. I've got some food you know not of. And then they are so uh, dumb spiritually, they look at one another and say, did you give him something to eat? Uh, did you? Well, I, you know, what's he talking about? They didn't get it. Now, we got to cut them some slack here because these disciples did not have the indwelling Holy Spirit at this time. Uh, and, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't have a Bible to read like we have today and whatever. Uh, but what Jesus is saying to them here is, I've got spiritual food that sustains me. I don't need physical food. Now, he didn't go into detail and explain them, explain it all to him, but uh, he did say this. He said, my food, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. So uh, what sustains me, Jesus is saying, is doing God's will, my father's will, and not only doing it, but finishing the job. Now, remember, Jesus uh, came to die. Uh, And I believe he knew that all through his life, that he was coming to be a sacrifice for the sins of humanity. And he knew that he was on a time schedule. And so when he says here, do the will of him that sent me and finish his work, he knew that he had to finish what the Father had sent him to do. So um, that's what he's referring to here. And then he makes a statement to his disciples. Uh, And uh, this tells us that uh, it was probably uh, 
not harvest time yet, but it was like we would uh, here in Illinois where I'm uh, doing this video uh, in the summertime, the crops, you know, in July, August, whatever, that's when the crops are growing and the harvest then is in uh, October. But uh, he says to them, say ye not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Well, evidently there, it was four months to harvest there in the, in the Middle East at that time. But he says, don't say that. Now, now, he's using a physical thing to illustrate a spiritual truth. Don't say that there's four months and then come the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Now, uh, he's giving them something that they can identify with, and what he is what he is uh, speaking of here is there is a literal physical harvest that must be, you know, reaped at a certain time of year. Uh, and so you got to get out there and, and get it done. Uh, you know, any farmer will tell you when it's time to bring in the harvest, you better bring it in. And uh, so Jesus is using that principle to tell them that the harvest for souls is all the time. That's what he's getting over to them. He says, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields. He's not talking about literal fields here of wheat and barley and all that. He is talking about the, the people. They are to be harvested. And we as believers have the responsibility to harvest their souls. And they're ripe for harvest. That, that's what his implication is here. He says they are white already to harvest. In other words, you can imagine if humanity was ripe to harvest 2,000 years ago when Jesus said this, they must really be ripe to harvest now. And But again, the point is, uh, now some people have said that uh, the men of, of, of uh, Sychar, uh, the Samaritans, the men that lived there, wore white garments, and that Jesus was referring to the whiteness of their garments. So uh, he was saying, you need to go talk to them now and uh, tell them about me and, and, and get them saved. Well, that could be, but the bigger point, I think, is that uh, we should see the urgency of telling people about Jesus. Uh, it better be done as soon as possible. We better not say, well, I'll, you know, I've made that mistake a time or two in my ministry where someone has called me and said, I'd like for you to go see so-and-so in the hospital. And uh, there was something I was doing. I just could not do it right then. Or I felt like I couldn't. I probably could have. And I didn't go see him and, until the next day. And when I went, they had passed away. Now that'll make you feel bad when that happens to you. But, uh, you know, when we have an opportunity to lead someone to Christ, we, we need to do it uh, at the time the opportunity affords itself. And uh, so that's what Jesus is saying here. And the message is to all of us as well. We have no excuses uh, to say, well, I'm going to wait until harvest time. No, harvest time is all the time. Let's look at verse 36. And Jesus said, and he that reapeth receiveth wages, speaking of a reward for those that tell folks about 
Christ, just like the person that reaps a uh, the farmers, when they harvest their fields and reap, they'll take that harvest and sell it and, and get money. Uh, of course, we're not working for Jesus to get money. We're doing it to be uh, a, a blessing to others, get people saved, and to glorify God. And he that reapeth receiveth wages and gathereth fruit into life eternal. Just like you'd gather wheat in or, or if you are a fruit farmer, gather the apples in or whatever. Uh, but here we're talking about uh, fruit that is uh, eternal life. He says that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. That's simply saying the person that goes and plants the seed and the person that then comes along when the harvest time comes and brings in the crop both of them have had something to do with with bringing in the harvest. One sowed, another one reaped. Paul talked about this uh, over in 1 Corinthians, uh, where he talks about he and Apollos. One waters, the other, the uh, one sows, the other waters. God gives the increase. And, and so he says that both he that soweth and he that reapeth may rejoice together. And herein is that saying true, one soweth, another reapeth. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labored, and ye are entered into their labors. Now, who are these other men that he's talking about? Probably speaking of Old Testament prophets and Old Testament characters. Uh, but basically, he is saying here that that getting people saved is something that we all should be involved in. Uh, you know, anytime you have the privilege of leading someone to Christ, probably there has been someone praying for that person to be saved, maybe for years. Uh, or probably this person has heard a preacher preach, or maybe uh, this person has heard a friend or a relative tell them about Christ and they didn't get saved. And so here you come along and uh, you tell them about Christ and they get saved. Well, it wasn't you that did anything special. It was all these other people that had preceded you that had their part in getting people saved. You know, when we get to heaven, I'm sure we're going to meet a lot of people that, of course, we've never met, that we've had a part of uh, their salvation. You see, when you give to missions, when you give to, in our church, we have uh, we have home missions, we have foreign missions and Jewish missions, which is both home and foreign. And uh, so when the people that are involved in these missions, when they go out and win somebody to the Lord, because we've given some money to help them to go, one day we'll be rewarded for that. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to amaze us. Uh, now, there's some people that never give a dime to missions. Well, they're not going to get much. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. If you sow sparingly, you'll reap sparingly. If you sow bountifully, you'll reap bountifully. If, if you give a lot to the Lord's work, you're going to reap a lot for the Lord's work. If you do give very little, you'll reap little. It's common sense. Uh, and, and, and so the, the point is, is that we all have a part and we can play our part. And, but in the end run, uh, we all will be rewarded for whatever part we did play. So uh, let's go now to verse uh, 39. 
and many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. Well, you talk about a soul winner. This woman got with it, didn't she? She evidently went out and told everybody that she could find, uh, that she had met the Messiah, uh, of the Christ. And uh, so uh, they evidently believed her. And she was convincing. Now, there's nothing mentioned here about repentance or faith. So the belief here that uh, is mentioned here, for instance, says, uh, in verse 39, many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman. They may have believed that he was the Messiah, but as far as admitting their sin, repenting of it, and putting faith in, in him, I don't believe they did. I believe that probably they did later on. We have no account of it, but I would uh, venture to say that uh, if they believed, even if they believed with their head at this point, I believe God would honor that, and then later on they believed with their heart and repented and received Christ. But the point is that the woman was a great testimony, and and uh, the Bible says, uh, He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans were coming to him, they besought him or begged him that he would tarry with them, and he abode there two days. So uh, they believed the saying of the woman. And uh, so the Samaritans may have been men and women. They, they come to Jesus and they say, would you stay here with us for a while? Now that implies that they, you know, whether it was with their head or their hearts, they, they sure wanted to hear more uh, from the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know what? He stayed there two days. Now what they talked about for those two days and what went on, we have no idea. And then verse 41 says, and many more believed because of his own word. So he, he must have then, uh, for those two days he was with them, he must have told them about himself and whatever. And it says many more believed because of his own word. <coughs> Verse 42. And said unto the woman, uh, let me back up to verse 41. And many more believed because of his own word. And said unto the woman, Now we believe, not because of this thy saying, for we have heard him ourselves. As I said, that to me, staying those two more days implies to me that he did a lot of teaching during those two days. We have heard him ourselves and know that he is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. So here these Samaritan men are saying to this Samaritan woman, uh, now we, we've heard it ourselves. Now you've got our attention when you give us your testimony, but now we've heard him ourselves, and we know this is him. This is indeed is the Christ. And notice this, the Savior of the world. Now isn't that interesting? Here these Samaritans these people looked down on by the Jews who considered them half-breeds. Christ spends two days with them. Then they give testimony of they believe that he is the Christ and the Savior of the world. Savior of the world? Well, he must have said something about that for them to make that statement. But, boy, that sure looks like uh, belief to me. And whether they 
believed uh, into salvation at that time or not. We have no idea. Uh, possibly they did, but I, as I said, I believe God would certainly honor uh, their belief at this point and, and uh, that they would have repented and received uh, by faith him as their Savior. Maybe they did at that time. Again, we don't know. But uh, that's what it says. Now let's go to verse 43. Now after two days he departed, Jesus did, thence, and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was coming to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. So he had a good reception in Samaria and left a lot of at least head believers, maybe heart believers, we don't know, uh, there in Samaria. And now he goes back to, to Galilee, and, you know, the, the statement is made here, Jesus testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Uh, he was not near as popular back home as he was in Samaria. That's human nature. Uh, and uh, so uh, the, the people of Galilee, uh, they evidently had, had seen him uh, do some miracles, uh, while they were in Jerusalem. And uh, the Bible says here, then when he was come to Galilee, verse 45, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did at Jerusalem. So they must have seen the miracles that he did at the feast, speaking of the feast of the Passover. And uh, they also went into the feast. So they were impressed evidently by what they had seen him do and he had done some miracles that had got their attention. Uh, did they receive him spiritually with a heart of repentance and faith? Uh, probably not. Uh, I would say that the Samaritans were more um, were, were more apt to be true believers than the people of uh, Galilee. But that that is again something we we don't know for sure. Verse 46, so Jesus came again unto Cana. Remember that's, well, it says this, unto Cana of Galilee where he made the water wine. So he's back, he's back to uh, chap, uh, chapter uh, uh, 2 where it talked about him turning the water into wine. He goes back to that, to that place. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus was come out of Judea unto Galilee, he went unto him and besought or begged him that he would come down and heal his son, for he, his son, was at the point of death. So here this nobleman, uh, we don't know exactly what his job was. He was some kind of city official, uh, probably a political appointee of some kind. Um, you might say a, a big shot maybe. Uh, his son is just about to die, uh, and uh, so let's read. Uh, let's read on and see what happens. So he encounters Jesus here, and uh, then said Jesus unto him, "Except you see signs and wonders, ye will not believe." And why did Jesus say this to this man? Because he, he wanted this man not to have a shallow belief. He didn't want him to be impressed 
by the miracles that he saw. He wanted him to to have a soft heart and a a heart of faith in him, in Christ. That's what he wanted the nobleman to have. So Jesus saith unto him, verse 48, except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. Notice what he answers, uh, how, how he answers Jesus. He doesn't say anything about the signs and wonders. The nobleman saith unto him, sir, come down ere my child die. So this nobleman father had one thing on his mind, and that was his sick child. Uh, he didn't respond to what Jesus said about the signs and wonders. He just, you got to give him credit. He kept, and that's what Jesus ex- wanted him to do and expected him to do, was to uh, focus on the need of the hour, and that was for his son, uh, who was sick at, at the point of death. Uh, the word sir here, I understand in the, the Greek, means uh, lord or master. So it shows us that this nobleman, who was maybe a big shot, at least a, a political uh, appointee of some kind, he had respect for for Jesus. And so he calls him sir. Now, uh, let's go to verse 50. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. Uh, evidently the nobleman said the right thing by his response there uh, of saying, uh, sir, come down my child's, uh, you know, he's about to die. That's what, that's what I've come for. I'm not impressed with the, uh, with the miracles and the wonders. That's, that, that's not on my mind. What's on my mind is my sick child. That's what Jesus wanted to hear. And Jesus said, well, just go on back home. Thy son liveth. It's going to be all right. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him. That shows his faith. And went his way. He didn't argue with Jesus. He didn't say, well, wait wait a minute, wait a minute. No, he just, you know, Jesus said it and he did it. That's the way we ought to serve the Lord. Uh, You know, when we start asking uh, the Lord why and and so on and so forth. That doesn't please the Lord. You know, Moses tried that, tried to get out of leading the children of Israel. And and uh, that God wants us just to, when God says it, we're to believe it. Then it says he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants, the servants of this nobleman, told him saying, so here his servants come out to meet him as he's on his way home. And I imagine they're excited because uh, they, they, they say to him, Thy son liveth. Now notice what the nobleman does. Then inquired he, the nobleman of them, his servants, the hour when he began to amend. So he must have said something like that. What time was it when you saw uh, the, the big change in my son, when he was at the point of death and all of a sudden he was all right? And they said unto him, Yesterday, about the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour (laughs) in which Jesus had said unto him, Thy son liveth. Look at this. And himself believed and his whole house. Here it shows the nobleman. Uh, it was confirmed to him 
that his son was healed at the same time Jesus said, uh, go thy way, he's going to be all right, thy son liveth, that, that caused this nobleman to put his faith completely in the Lord Jesus Christ. And not only that, but he led his family to put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. I've always said this, that when the father gets saved, usually the whole family will. Uh, because the family will, for one thing, they'll see such a change in, in him that they'll know something supernatural has happened and they'll want what he has. And so it just works that way. You've got the Philippian jailer, same way. Uh, When Paul and Silas told him, he said, what must I do to be saved? They told him he got saved and then his old house got saved and he and his whole family got baptized. And so here this nobleman uh, puts his faith in Christ and uh, the whole family uh, gets, uh, becomes believers. And, uh, then verse 54, this is again, the second miracle that Jesus did. Well, the first was turning the water into wine when he was come out of Judea and to Galilee. Uh, now uh, this was the second miracle that he did in Galilee. Now he, Uh, there could have been other miracles or probably were that he did because it was spoken about about, uh, in prior verses, him doing miracles in Jerusalem. But this is the second one he did back home in Galilee. Okay, so we need to understand it that way. All right, that ends uh, chapter four. We'll take a look at chapter five in our next session. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at Hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.